Glad that you are here today. Glad that you are part of uh, what God is doing here at Fellowship of Grace. I'm uh, just so excited. We've been doing some reflecting, and as John mentioned a few minutes ago as he was praying for the offering, there's a lot of big things coming up in the life of Fellowship of Grace, and uh, I'm just very excited where God has us and, and see His hand at work in so many different ways. It's going to be a very uh, exciting thing. And in fact, we're even already, of course, planning and thinking about Easter, and we're starting a great relationship series on Easter Sunday. And I was thinking about, as I was thinking about Easter this week, I thought about a few years back, a little boy on Palm Sunday uh, had to stay home from church because he, uh, he was just not feeling well, so he stayed home with his mom. And, and when the family returned, the husband, father, and the other kids, uh, they were carrying several palm leaves, you know, the, not leaves, but the whole uh, strand, their fronds, I guess they call them. And a uh, little boy asked him, he said, what are those for? They said, well, we got those today because it's Palm Sunday, and we just talked about how people uh, held them over the heads of, of Jesus as he walked by and laid them on the ground as Jesus walked by. And the little boy said, wouldn't you know it, the one Sunday I don't go to church and he shows up. <laughs> so don't miss Palm Sunday. You just never know what might happen. All right, uh, so uh, just but put those dates on your calendar that are coming up and, and uh, be a part of everything uh, that God is doing here. I don't want you to miss those things, folks. It's, uh, it's not just because we want you to be a part of what's going on here, but there are going to be some things that if you miss them, you're going to be sorry that you missed them. And so try to be here every week and uh, just see what God is going to do. We're continuing a series today uh, through the book of uh, Philippians, and uh, we're going to finish chapter 2 today. And we've got, gone through this series with the title, No Matter What. We've seen some biblical principles that uh, Paul is uh, talking uh, to the, the church at Philippi about. And um, it, it, we just kind of took on this title of no matter what because there's just some principles that he's saying, hey, listen, you're, you're a good church. You're a good church. Again, I want to just keep reminding you, this is the one letter that he wrote to a church where he didn't correct them on anything. He, he didn't say, hey, you guys are believing wrong things. You've let some stuff creep into your thinking. Uh, and, and he's not saying you're behaving in ungodly or unruly ways. He wrote to them just to say, hey, you guys are really doing great, and I appreciate my partnership and ministry with you. And, and we'll talk about that more as he gets to the end uh, of the letter. But he, he does say some things here that are really important to basically tell them, hey, keep doing these things, folks. Don't forget. You're doing great, but don't forget. Don't let up. Keep going. Keep doing them no matter what. And so today we're going to talk about being servant Christians no matter what. Now, I found this picture on the internet of a little church uh, in Ohio, and it's got a little banner there in the front, uh, a little place where you can drop off your wife and kids when it's raining, and it says servant's entrance. Now, it's an interesting thing that this is the only entrance to the church, okay? Now, you might see this, you know, like uh, uh, someplace like a restaurant, or you might say deliveries here, or, you know, special signs, but this is the only entrance to the church, and it says servant's entrance. I think that's uh, a great reminder that we are all called to be servants if we claim to be Christians. I think we're going to see this morning that as Paul talks about a couple of his uh, good friends in the ministry, he's really going to give us the impression that there are no Christians that don't uh, act as servants to others. In fact, I would even challenge your thinking that if, if there's no time in your life uh, that you're currently serving other people, that you're actively and intentionally serving other people, uh, you might uh, just think through some things and really consider whether Christ has made a transformation in your heart and in your life uh, because there is no other entrance but the servant's entrance uh, to a church and to really 
uh, the call of God to be one of his followers. There are no, uh, uh, I've said it before, but I'll say it again, there are no Christians that ride the pine, that just sit on the bench, that don't participate in the game of life, in the game of ministry. Uh, here at Fellowship of Grace, we teach very specifically what the Word of God teaches, uh, that, that you don't come and support the professional ministers to go and do the ministry. Uh, that's not our job. That's not uh, our uh, responsibility. Our job and responsibility is to equip and to train and to encourage and to inspire you to be the ministers of this congregation. Every once in a while, somebody at a church event or something will ask me, so, uh, so Pastor Michael, how many, uh, how many ministers are there at Fellowship of Grace? And I said, well, we're averaging about 250 right now. They're like, what? I, I was talking about staff people. I said, oh, I thought you said ministers because we have 250 ministers here, and I just kind of like to play that along with them. And they're like, okay, it was a dumb question. But anyway, uh, I like to do that because I, I want to keep my, in my own head, in my own mind, uh, that Pastor Derek, Pastor Kendall, me, we're not, the, we're not the ministers here. All of us are ministers here. So if you haven't come to come through the servant's entrance, I actually should have got a banner like this and put it up out front today, and if you came in, too late. Uh, you're already one. You can't go back now. Uh, but uh, I want you to think about that as we go on today. We're going to look at Philippians chapter 2, verses 19 through 30, and I want to read through them. And, and today I'm going to take a little bit of a different approach uh, about this sermon and about this passage. Uh, when you look at many doctrinal passages, uh, they're, they're really outlined really well with, with different thoughts, one right after the other. Uh, this is a little bit different because when we, as we read this, um, you know, we've just come through these kind of weighty verses about being humble like Christ and, and working out our salvation with fear and trembling. And by the way, uh, John Wyman, you did a great job last week. I uh, listened to the sermon uh, on our website. You did a great job last week. Thank you for filling in for me. Uh, it, 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 but when we get to this passage, passage, it seems like Paul has maybe lost track of his thinking because he's kind of boring us with some simple travel plans. And you go, well, who, who cares who's going where and what's happening? And, and you might even ask the question, well, why did God even include this in the Bible? Shouldn't he have just, you know, thought to maybe just add a post-it note to the letter? And they could have taken that off and thrown it away. Well, I think there's some really interesting principles to point out in the passage, but I think they're a little more hidden than a doctrinal passage would be very uh, kind of outlined. So we're not going to go through this verse by verse, uh, but I'm going to kind of group some verses together uh, after we read through the whole passage and help you to see these principles, okay? But let's read through the passage, uh, Philippians chapter 2, verses 19 through 30. This is Paul writing. He says, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon so that I too may be cheered by news of you. For I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. For they all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know Timothy's proven worth, how as a son with a father he has served me in the gospel. I hope therefore to send him just as soon as I see how it will go with me, and I trust in the Lord that shortly I myself will come also. I have thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier, and your messenger and minister to my need. For he has been longing for you all and has been distressed because you heard that he was ill. Indeed, he was ill, near to death. But God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. I am the more eager to send him, therefore, that you may rejoice at seeing him again, and that I may be less anxious. So receive him in the Lord with all joy and honor such men, 
for he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. So as I said, we're going to kind of see some principles together. Uh, uh, when you first read that, it really seems like he's just saying, hey, you know, Epaphroditus is hoping to come back and see you. I hope he gets to. I hope I get to come. You know, Timothy's with me. And it just doesn't seem very maybe doctrinally relevant, but I think it is. I want us to see the first principle, and that's, th- that's this. A servant's heart is centered on Christ and his ministry. Now, those of you that I have uh, uh, encouraged and taught how to read and study the Bible, uh, one of the things that we look first at is observation. Uh, after we go through consecration and we pray and ask God to guide us and lead us in our study, we go to observation, making, uh, very carefully uh, making sure that we don't slip into interpretation yet. So I want to point out some things to you uh, from my observation of these passages because I want you to see here that Paul's whole perspective is all about Christ and the ministry. Look what it says in Philippians 2.19. He says, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon so that I may too be cheered by news of you. He's saying, listen, I hope by God's grace, I hope by God's help, I'm able to do this for you. See, the perspective of Christ being in charge. Then he says, and I trust in the Lord that shortly I myself will come also. Now, he never gets there. He never gets there. He loses his life. But his perspective still is that I trust in the Lord. And he's not even saying, I'm I'm trusting in the Lord to make sure that it happens. He's saying, I'm trusting in the Lord whether it happens or not. And then he says here in uh, verse 27, Indeed, he was ill. He's talking about Epaphroditus. Indeed, he was ill, near to death. But God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. He's saying, look, Epaphroditus was near death. He almost died. He didn't write, but he got better. That was a close one. He didn't write that. He said, but God had mercy on him. See, even even in that little small uh, uh, comment, He's saying, but listen, Epaphrodite's life is in the hands of God, folks. And then when he says in verse 29, he says, so receive him, when he's talking about sending him back, he says, so receive him in the Lord with all joy. You see, the reality is, folks, Paul's heart is centered on Christ and his ministry. His, His perspective is to view life through the lens of everything eternal that's going on. He's not talking about his, his, his physical needs. We don't know what Epaphroditus... You know, it's funny how we are as, as human beings, and I think as we get older this happens. If some of you have aging parents, you'll know how this goes. Uh, but, um, you know, when we start talking about our ailments, we want to share with everybody our whole medical history, right? And, and he didn't say... We don't even know what Epaphroditus was sick of. We have no details about his illness at all, even though he almost died, because he's not, ta- he's not interested in the perspective of human beings going, well, yeah, he, he got the croup, and then he, he really came down with it, and he, man, he got some medicine, but it didn't help him, and boy, he had to go back to the doctor five times. I mean, he didn't get into all that, because it's not really important, you see. His perspective is on eternal things. We've talked before about perspective, folks, but I want to just give you another story about this. Coach John McKay of USC said to his team, after they had been humiliated 51-0 by Notre Dame, McKay came into the locker room and he saw a group of beaten, worn out, and thoroughly depressed football players 
who were not accustomed to losing. He stood up on a bench and he said, Men, let's keep this in perspective. There are 800 million Chinese who don't even know this game was played today. That's positive. There's 800 million people who don't even know you lost. You see, his perspective changes things. Now, it's not that, and I want to make sure we understand, it's not that Paul has this uh, uh, perspective that's not correct or this pie-in-the-sky Jesus perspective that's not reality. Folks, that is the reality. The perspective that we mostly live in most of the time is the reality that's not really important. We get caught up in it. We get sucked into it, and we get caught up in all the things in life that really don't matter. Paul's perspective is to look at everything in life through the lens of Jesus and the gospel. Jesus and the gospel. You hope in the Lord. You trust in the Lord. You send in the Lord. Everything you do is because of the Lord. Now, servants... And those who wish to be good Christian servants, uh, they should practice the three innies. And I almost uh, showed you a picture of three uh, really fat guys with belly buttons sticking out, uh, but I thought it was just kind of too gross to show you. But I thought you would remember three innies. Get it? Yeah. Here are the three innies that you need to remember as a servant. These kinds of servants are willing to be sent anywhere. Anywhere. These kind of servants are willing to be sent anywhere. Listen, it, it was not like getting on a plane and flying for six hours and being uncomfortable because the seats are close together like we do. When these people uh, uh, traveled from Philippi to Rome where Paul's in prison, uh, it's a tough road. In fact, it almost killed Epaphroditus. Timothy's been traveling uh, with Paul for years. These men were being held up in high esteem because they were willing to go anywhere that God called them. Folks, I want you to be that way. Now, I remember as a teenager, I was scared to say to God, God, I trust you and I will go anywhere you call me to go because all of us think the same things. If you were a Christian when you were a teenager, we all think the same thing. I don't want to do that because he'll call me to be a missionary to the deepest, darkest parts of Africa, right? And so we get afraid of that. Now, after I became a father of a child, I understood that I'm not going to call my child to do something unless I equip them, unless I help them, unless I encourage them, unless I prepare them for the thing that it is I'm asking them to do. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to just say to God, God, I will truly go anywhere you want me to go on mission. If that's across the street, if that's to my boss's office, if that's with a church plant, if that's to another city, if that's to another country, if that's to the other side of the world, if that's to the Philippines, not Philippi. Folks, we need to have that idea as a servant that will be sent anywhere. The second any is that these kinds of servants are willing to minister to anyone in need, anyone in need. Anywhere and anyone. The reality is, folks, we all like people like us. It's just part of the human experience. But good servants are willing to, to minister to anybody that God puts in their path for them to minister to. 
The third any that these kind of servants are willing to do is to sacrifice anything. Sacrifice anything. Now, I want you to talk about sacrifice this week in your community groups because I don't think we really understand the term of sacrifice. Sacrifice means I'm giving up something that I value in preference for something that I value more. In other words, if you think to yourself, well, there's nothing good on television tonight. I really don't want to do the dishes. I guess I'll go to community group. That's not much of a sacrifice. Not much of a sacrifice. So the question is, what are you doing on a fairly consistent or continual basis that is a sacrifice for Jesus and the gospel? What are you doing as an individual and what are we doing as a church? What are we sacrificing? What are we giving up something that we truly value in exchange for something that we value more? You see, if you uh, uh, give of your time whatever's left over, that's no sacrifice. If you give of your energy and effort to the kingdom, all that's left over at the end of the week or the month, that's really no sacrifice. If you give of your finances, whatever you have left at the end of the month after paying everything else off, that's really no sacrifice. The question is, what are we giving up in that we value in exchange for something we value more. For instance, uh, somebody committing to a mission trip and then finding out that their child's sports uh, championship game is going to be happening while they are on this mission trip. Do you stay and watch your child's game or do you go on mission? I mean, there's a thousand different examples and you guys are probably thinking of them in your head right now. But listen, if we want to be good Christian servants, we have to be willing to be sent anywhere to anyone and give up anything in order to fulfill God's call to be a servant. The second principle I see in this passage is this. A servant's focus is other-centered, not self-centered. In verse 26, here's what it reads. For he has been longing for you all and has been distressed because you heard that he was ill. You know, in this verse, Epaphroditus was concerned about the church being concerned about him. He wasn't concerned about himself. He was concerned about their concern. He was worried about them because they were worried about him. There's just no reference to him even being concerned about himself in any way, shape, or form. See, Epaphroditus said, I know you guys have been worried about me. I'm, I'm saddened that you're worried about me. I, I don't want you to be worried about me. Uh, that makes me sad. And so he was concerned about them. In verses 20 and 21, we see here Paul says, For I have no one like him, Timothy, who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. For they all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. Now, if you remember, he just talked about, in a few verses previous, he just talked about the fact that some people were preaching the gospel out of a true heart and a true reason to see people come to know Jesus. And some people were preaching the true gospel, but for their own gain or for their own purposes and reasons. And so here what he's saying is, uh, uh, listen, uh, Timothy was genuinely concerned for your welfare. He, he's not putting on some show. He, he was deeply concerned uh, for you all. So listen, our church is full of, really, uh, of good people who serve when they're asked to serve. 
I can tell you today that uh, if, if we had some family in need, I could probably go, I could probably handpick uh, five families right now and say, could you do a meal tomorrow night, uh, uh, Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night, Thursday night? I could probably find five families in our church. Our church is really good about responding to express needs. I want us to think about raising the level a little bit, okay? Uh, There are a lot of churches that people don't respond that way. So we could just go, you know, we're we're doing pretty good. You know, when somebody puts a, a thing on the city about, hey, I'm moving, I need some help, people respond to that and help them out. Well, our church is pretty good about this. I don't ever want us to get comfortable. Let's lift the bar a little bit and, not, and stop waiting to be asked. Stop. Now, I'm not talking about being clairvoyant. Uh, 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 please don't get mad at me if I don't come see you in the hospital because nobody told us you were in the hospital. Okay, I'm not talking about that kind of stuff. But what I do mean is uh, be aware of things around you. Be aware as you talk to people, as you think uh, about folks, as you hear things. Be aware of those things. And don't just hear them as bits of information, but opportunities to be a servant. Several years ago, when our church was still at Congress Middle School, moving in and out every week, the last step in our moving in and out, the very last step was after we got all of our stuff moved out and in the trailer, we had to pull these uh, uh, heavy... um, cafeteria tables with the seats all connected to them uh, from the hallway back down into the cafeteria and set them all up okay and a young man in our church named Zach came to me and he said hey Michael I I want to grow as a leader I want to grow as a leader how can I do that how how I mean I see these people that are leaders in our church and I see how they're really respected and I want to be respected that way I want to I want to lead that way how can I do that I said, Zach, here's what I want you to do this Sunday. I want you to come and I want you to stand by the restrooms after the service. I don't want you to do anything. I just want you to be really observant until we are completely done. So we got completely done and we were walking out of the school. And I said, now, Zach, let me ask you a question. Who was on the schedule today to help me set up cafeteria tables? He said, I I don't think that's on the schedule. I said, right. But who did you see helping me? He said, well, there was Dave Ross and Jason and Jamie DeGrave and Casey and some other people. I said, right. I didn't ask him to do that. They just do it. They, they see the need and they just do it. Folks, I want us to grow to be a church like that, where we don't have to be asked to do everything servant-wise. We just see the need and we help each other. We do that. I think that's the kind of Christians that Timothy and Paul were. The next point I see in this passage is a servant endures sufferings. Look at verse 22. He says, But now, but you know Timothy's proven worth, how as a son with the Father he has served me in the gospel. Timothy was with Paul when he endured most of his persecution, he had proven his worth. He had been beside him like a son sticks with a father. He said, man, this guy has this guy's gone through the ringer with me. You know, Paul kind of gets all the accolades, and he's the one that's writing the letters, and he's the apostle. But listen, if you look carefully, Timothy was with him most of the time, enduring pretty much the same stuff that Paul was enduring. And he had proven his worth as a disciple and as a great servant to the apostle Paul. In verse 30, we see here uh, again. Uh, uh, for he nearly died for the work of Christ. Epaphroditus almost died, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. 
You know, sometimes we have suffering because of persecution uh, outside because of the church. And sometimes we have suffering just because we live in this fallen world, folks. Listen, we've gone through, uh, you've gone through some individual things. Our church has gone through some very tough things just because we live in a world full of sin and messed up people like us. And it's just tough. It's just tough. Listen, this is a, this is a spiritual battle we're in, folks. It's not just an earthly battle. There are spiritual sufferings to be paid. There are emotional, physical, spiritual, financial, all of these ways that that we have to suffer at times for the gospel's sake. And good servants are happy to do it because we know that if we live for the kingdom, if we live for those things that are eternal, uh, uh, that's just what we do. That's just what we do. So I want you to think this week, I want you to talk to your community group about a servant's heart being centered on Christ and his ministry alone, about a servant's focus being other-centered and not self-centered, and a servant enduring suffering. And I want you to sign up to be a servant anyway. Last point I want you to see is this. A servant receives due honor. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 29, Paul says this. He's talking about sending uh, Epaphroditus and possibly Timothy back. He says, So receive him in the Lord with all joy and honor such men. Honor such men. Epaphroditus had been sent from the church at Philippi to come and minister to Paul. It almost killed him. But he had done an incredible job. And Paul's saying, Listen, listen, Epaphroditus had had represented the church well. And as such... He should receive a hero's welcome when he comes back. Now, this doesn't mean that we don't focus on Jesus. This doesn't mean that we take away uh, 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 his glory and honor. He gets it all at the end. But, folks, the reality is God has chosen in his infinite wisdom to work through the people in his kingdom to do his work on the earth, except for the work of changing a person's heart. Only the Holy Spirit can do that. Only the Holy Spirit can convict a person of sin. But he has chosen us to share the gospel, to tell our story, to share our testimony with people, uh, to tell others about Jesus, and to love them into the kingdom. That's what he's asking us to do. And what Paul's saying here, folks, is when you see somebody who does that well, honor such men and women. Not everybody does that. Not everybody can, can, can be faithful to that. Not everybody can be consistent to that. And not everybody can fulfill that. But when you see these men that have done that and have sacrificed so much for the kingdom, give them their due honor. He's not talking about uh, 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 you know, insincere flattery. He's talking about you should honor these guys because they've been honorable. They've done honorable things for the kingdom. So give them their due honor. It's deserved. Well, I hope that you see in this passage that it's more than just travel plans. It's way more than just Paul moving the chess pieces on the board around. He really wants us to understand that these two men have been incredibly faithful to the kingdom. These two men have modeled a great service 
to Christ and to the church at Philippi and to Paul himself. And he's holding them up and he's giving them honor and they are being recorded for all of history in God's word because they have been honorable men who have been faithful and they will continue to be to the end. So I hope today that you walk away uh, from this sermon this morning and, and you say to yourself, you know what? I'm going to be a servant Christian. I don't need a banner or a, 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 a thing over the door to remind me. I'm going to be a servant Christian no matter what. I'm going to have the right perspective. I'm going to pay the price. And I'm going to do whatever God calls me to do to whomever he calls me, wherever he calls me. No matter what. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word, again, that guides us and leads us. Father, you are so wise. And to give us a passage like this that on the surface may seem almost incidental, but in reality shares with us such great truths. Father, we pray that you'll help us to be these kind of Christian servants, that you will help us to think of others before ourselves that you will help us to have an eternal perspective and not an earthly perspective. Father, help us not get distracted by all the earthly things that are good, but they're not the things that really matter. Uh, Lord, we pray that you will use us as a church to minister to people, to reach out to people, to see that people uh, come to know you and that, this, that your kingdom grows here because you have been faithful to work in and through us. Father, help us. Help us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.